Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. It's the Chris and Amy Show. Check it out. St. Louis, Mound City. We are going to have a great day today. Now, Amy Mark scores Chris Ranji on KMOX. Let's take it from the top. And good morning, friends. It is Chris and Amy on KMOX. Good to have you along for the ride today. And we do mean ride because... Today is the day you're all traveling, or maybe you're not traveling. I don't know. Whatever it is you're doing, hopefully you don't have to travel. Hopefully uh, you can just stay at your house, and hopefully you don't even have to worry about cooking or anything like that because you're having it catered. Good for you. Things must be going very well. want to hear from you. Oh, there you are, Amy. Uh, 314-436-7900 to call or text the show. Um, you know, you can leave us voicemails, mm-hmm. too. 314 314- Nine four four eleven twenty, and as I always say, whenever you, f- whenever you have a thought, it could be some hot thought in the middle of the night. You want to get it off your chest, send it to us, and there's a chance that we might play it. Also, we are on social media. The handle is the same for all the platforms at Chris Amy KMOX. Time now for the top of the order. The top three stories everybody will be talking about. A deal has officially been agreed upon. Israel and Hamas coming together and the release of hostages is imminent. We expect 50 Israeli hostages to be released. We don't know exactly who, but we do expect 50 Israelis to be coming home. And 60 years ago today, one of the most tragic and defining moments in our country's history The assassination of President John F. Kennedy. We will look back on that moment. And the Cardinals make it official a couple of signings of two starting pitchers. So, wow, they're starting to make moves. Are you happy about it? Are you not? How are you feeling? You can always text the show at 314-436-7900. So we're going to talk to uh, Jesse Rogers, who covers baseball nationally. For ESPN, we will um, get his thoughts later on in the show. We're going to certainly get yours as the off season for the Cardinals has. Well, it's, it, I guess it's it began a while ago, um, but moves are starting to be made, and there seems to be some mixed reaction so far. Even though we are a, a long way off from uh, spring training next year, so um, well, I, think, I think it's. Natural that if you have a very passionate fan base, which the Cardinals do, and you have massive moves that need to be made to build up your pitching, your rotation, which the Cardinals do, and then you make more middle-of-the-road moves to kick everything off, fans are going to feel a little dissatisfied. Yeah, they they want the splash right away. They want to feel like it's... like this is going to be an eventful, productive, successful offseason. That's what they want. Yeah. So so they want the big move first. They're not wrong to want that. Mm-hmm. And if that big move never comes, they are right to feel the way they feel at the moment. I would urge a little bit of, of patience here. 
because maybe this this if this is the precursor to, of of things to come, mm-hmm. then it could end up being a good off season. I would say that yes. I mean, these first two moves of uh, acquiring Kyle Gibson and Lance Lynn, two starting pitchers. Uh, Gibson, part of a 100-win team this past season. He was pretty good. Um, Lance Lynn was not very good last Mm -hmm. year. They are expecting innings eaters, which is great. You have to have that in the starting rotation. Where I think people are right to be concerned, and if you're looking at this with concern, if you're looking at it with the expectation of, okay, that's not what I thought was going to happen and I want more, you're right to have that feeling because – where the Cardinals are lacking is not people who can eat innings, although they do need that, and what they did was upgrade the rotation over last year. What they need is somebody that if they make it to a playoff or a big game, you know you can give that guy the ball and you're in great shape. You you need a number one. You need a guy who is a stud, and they don't have a stud yet. So here is... Here are the two groups of people that we represent. You are the level-headed, experienced sports guy who knows, well, let's just wait and see. In the same way that Mike Claiborne says that he doesn't worry about a team until Flag Day. You don't know what you've got until Flag Day. I will represent the average fan who is passionate but is like, can you believe these guys? You think if these guys think that getting Lance Lynn... And Kyle Gibson, if they yep. if that's yeah, gonna Gibson, fix the problem, if that's gonna fix the problem, that's not gonna cut it. Well, that's that's what fans are feeling. Which that's the whole point of being a fan. It's short for fanatic. Yeah, it's you unreasonable. Are unreasonable. That's yeah. the whole point, and it's fun to be unreasonable. I totally agree. So I used to, as you know, uh, my job for a long time was to mainly I was taking phone calls from totally irrational people. And I used to get uh, frustrated and upset and I would get emotional about it when when doing those shows. Um, But then it took me a while to realize this is so much better than talking about something that matters. Right. (laughs) Because, you know, there are a lot of world events that actually affect your life. And uh, local events that affect your or life. This are, doesn't matter. Yeah. So it's nice to get worked up over something that doesn't really matter. Right. Like actual death or harm or tragedy or grieving. You can be sad about your your fan, your, excuse me, your team losing. And that's great to joke about grieving that. But it's not real life. It's a pretend yeah. world. And ultimately, athletes are entertainers, which sounds almost sacrilegious to say, because I have so much respect for athletes. They devote their lives to it. And you could say they have a real impact. They do have a real impact. They have a real impact on the economy, but overall it's a fake world. And that's good. That's fun. That's what sports are supposed to be. Sports are what we crave as humans. (laughs) The, the classic story, the classic story, the classic narrative of a good guy and a bad guy, right? You can cheer for your team. You can root against the other guy. You can see winning in real time or losing in real time. You can have revenge. You can have that great moment on the battlefield, whether it be a baseball diamond or on the gridiron. And in hockey, even, I think that's why people like hockey fights. There's that immediate justice. You go after the guy that's t- going after your best player. Sports are great that way. I know you've told the story before, but I still go back to whatever sports radio it was in New York right after the Yankees had won the World Series. 
this isn't. I forgot who. To, I don't know. This may have it's been such Kevin's a great story. story. It may have been Kevin's story, so I don't. I don't remember the exact details, but I think it was the night the Yankees won, maybe in two thousand nine. Mm-hmm. And they're they. <laughs> they hadn't the, had the parade yet. They hadn't had the parade yet, and and like one of the first ten callers to the post game was like, "Oh, what are we gonna do about next year?" Like, yeah, what, like what do you like, mean? It's what? great that they won, but if these guys think that they but can sit with the same roster, you know what though? They hadn't even had the parade yet. I it's, love it. It's stupid, but also mm-hmm. it's not. And you know why? Because it means they freaking care. Yeah. When when a person, lots of people, get upset over their baseball team and what their baseball team does or doesn't do, and they have strong emotions about it, it means they care about your team. The place you don't want to be is where people don't talk about your team. They don't go to see your team. They don't care about your team. They don't know anything about it. That's where you don't want to be. So if you're the Cardinals, if you're the Blues, you would rather people be mad at you than not talking about you at all. Mm-hmm. Um, that's Amy Marks, Cores, and your thoughts on what the Cardinals have done, whatever you have, whatever you feel, you can always tell us. Uh, we will talk to Linda Gradstein, who is going to be joining us from Jerusalem, as we expect the release of the hostages and the four-day fighting pause to begin at 2 in the morning, our time, so that they can start to uh, get those hostages back. We also, because it is the 60th anniversary of the Kennedy assassination, it is something that I've, I've always been fascinated with. And I am really fascinated in how it was covered that day, the media, in, in terms of the way... CBS and all of the other networks went wall to wall with coverage and really for the first time of any news event in history it never happened like that and they did it Mm -hmm. and it was raw and awkward and just so interesting to watch I want to get into some of that as well it's Chris and Amy on KMOX Chris and Amy on KMOX and at the bottom of the hour, which means right after the 1030 news, we will talk to Linda Gradstein, who is CBS News contributor and reporter, uh, bureau chief for the Media Line News Agency. She is in Jerusalem and will be joining us as we are expecting the release of hostages over the next several hours and days. Um, So that is coming up here in just a moment. But as I mentioned, it is the 60th anniversary of the Kennedy assassination. We had the good fortune last week of speaking to Clint Hill, who was, um, and really the most prominent agent. There are only two agents who are on that detail, who were in the motorcade, Mm -hmm. who are still alive. Uh, Clint Hill is one of them. And he's the one who's really been the, the most interviewed over the course of the last several decades you have seen him before, probably. And we talked to him last week. And it, it, it was obvious, Amy, when we spoke to him, he still feels bad about what happened, feels like it is partially his responsibility, because that's the job of the Secret Service is to uh, protect the president, and he couldn't do it. Um, it, it and also, I got the sense, mm-hmm. and I, I think you did too, that he is not happy with conspiracy theories. Right. No. He just, he just isn't. People involved... The, the most intimate members of that entire situation have, I think, a, a, a legitimate 
revulsion against conspiracy theories. Imagine yeah. going through a tragedy and, and like you said, the Secret Service agent who felt that he had failed. He said, we had one job and I felt like we had failed that job. He went into a depression. He lived with that his whole life. And then to see people speculate with lies and conspiracies, I can see how that would be incredibly repulsive. It's personal. It's, yes. it's personal to him. And this was a devastating moment for the country. And for some people, it was very, very personal. Mm-hmm. And he is is one of them. As I said, I am really fascinated. It, it seems like it's an event that is 60 years um, ago. And it, it feels like an event that happened 300 years ago to me. But I have paid attention a lot to all of it, to the conspiracy theories. I love the movie JFK. I think it's it's so well done. But also, I don't believe it. I don't believe the movie. I don't believe the conspiracy stuff. I think it's possible that Lee Harvey Oswald had somebody who put him up to it or paid him or whatever. I think there's still that possibility. But I do believe he did it all by himself. And I know there are a lot who don't. Real Uh, quick, who would it be that you would think would have hired Lee Harvey Oswald? So, I mean, the theories have been that his own government wanted him dead. Um, The mafia did it. The Cubans did it. I mean, there were just so many different. Right. That would be that would be a bombshell of a discovery. So the fact that there are all of these documents that have not been released Mm -hmm. and won't be, I believe, the the year is 2050, if I'm not mistaken. The fact that these documents exist and are not released, that gives fuel to the idea that, oh, yeah, the government was in on it and they just don't want the people to know. I, I don't I just don't believe that it was like that. I think that sometimes things happen at the hands of unassuming people. That that it doesn't have to be an impressive person that pulls off mm-hmm. what is one of the most monumental events in the history of the country. It can just be some lone psychopath. That can happen. And I believe that's what did happen in this case. But what I'm really fascinated by is how the day was covered and how it went down. Um, when the 50th anniversary happened, CBS on their website, they did a, as it happened sort of feature where Mm -hmm. starting at 1230 central time, they started playing their coverage, everything that was happening starting at 1230 that day. They were in the middle of, as the world turns, remember the soap opera, which I think still exists, doesn't it? I don't know. Um, but they, they're, they're showing the, the, the soap opera. And then the first bulletin pops in right in the middle. Here is a bulletin from CBS News. In Dallas, Texas, three shots were fired at President Kennedy's motorcade in downtown Dallas. The first reports say that President Kennedy has been seriously wounded by this shooting. More details just arrived. These details about the same as previously. President Kennedy shot today just as his motorcade left downtown Dallas. Mrs. Kennedy jumped up and grabbed Mr. Kennedy. She called, oh no, the motorcade sped on. United Press says that the wounds for President Kennedy perhaps could be fatal. So that's the very first bulletin. And Mm -hmm. people have seen, I'm sure, that the, the graphic on the screen, just the black background, it says CBS News Bulletin. That is a very famous Uh, image if you have paid any attention at all to this what was interesting to me is because of the way media is now and that when an event like that happens as soon as it happens we go wall to wall right away 
they went back to the soap opera. You have this bullet. You're imagine being at home and seeing that bulletin. You're watching as the world turns. Yeah. You see that bulletin, and they go right back to the show, and you're thinking, "Wait, well, hold on, wait. Right. The president just got shot. Is that what's going on now?" That's, That's a great point. That is absolutely wild. So they have a second bulletin uh, about three minutes later that looks just like that. And then there's this third bulletin, which I think is just, here's what was going on. Here's a bulletin from CBS News. President Kennedy has been the victim of an assassin's bullets in Dallas, Texas. It is not known as yet whether the president survived the attack against him. The incident was this. The president, Mrs. Kennedy, and Governor Connolly of Texas driving in the president's famed bubble top car from Dallas Airport to downtown Dallas, where the president was scheduled to make a speech. Three bullet shots were heard to ring out. The president slumped into the lap of Mrs. Kennedy. Witnesses said they saw blood streaming from his head. Now, what you didn't hear was supposed to be in the very beginning there was they're in the middle of a dog food commercial. It was a it was a commercial for dog food. Mm-hmm. And it was this upbeat, hey, you need to feed your pets. And here is this. Oh, by the way, the president has been shot. Now, on that third one, they stay with the broadcast. Mm-hmm. And it is a few minutes into that where Walter Cronkite, who I think everybody knows, um, it, it, for a while it was just the graphic. It was just the CBS News graphic. And for a while they keep it like that. Well, then they go live to Walter Cronkite on video. And it's what I love about it is, and love is maybe not the right word, but what interests me about it so much is that it's clear they had never done it before. Mm -hmm. It's clear they had never gone live and then wall to wall and then not really know what to do. There's no graphics. They, They are getting these pictures, like actual physical pictures, and then they are showing them to the camera. And... Cronkite, about an hour later, hands it off to uh, Charles uh, Goodwin, I think was his name. And then he goes for a while. But just the rawness and the the unpolished nature of it, what's interesting is that nowadays you would never see anything like no, that. No, and you have a whole machine. It is such a well-oiled machine. It's very, very polished. There's always this 24-hour news cycle veneer that even if there's a little chaos behind the scenes, there are enough hands on deck to make it seem relatively smooth. I think the closest thing that I've seen to an unpolished, like you're watching reaction in real time while information is coming in was September 11th and the morning shows and, and how they were in New York. And you can see their eyes darting around the room. They're on air. They're on television you hear the reaction of producers and cameramen when the second building was hit. So there was a little bit of that, but even then the technology was so much greater. They could jump to other streams, to other video feeds, to other news reporters. And they do that here too. So here's the first report. And this was also really interesting to me because I don't feel like it would happen this way now networks would be a lot more careful to announce the death of somebody. Mm -hmm. A a report that's false or chaotic or whatever is one thing. But to announce somebody has died is a completely different thing. You better be right about that. And networks usually aren't speculating, but here's what happened in that moment. Let us recall for you now what has transpired in this. KRLD is reporting they've been told by somebody in the hospital the president's dead. Only a rumor, but they've been told that. KRLD is saying 
Well, that's a repeat of something that you heard reported to you directly a moment ago from KRLD Television in Dallas, and that is the rumor that has reached them at uh, the hotel that uh, the president is dead. Totally unconfirmed, apparently, as yet. However, let's go back to KRLD in Dallas. Operating room, we do not know what his condition is, but the report is that the president is dead. This is not confirmed. This is something that... Okay. This is something that the uh, word just came to us a minute ago. The word we have is that President Kennedy is dead. This we do not know for a fact. The word we have is that he is dead, that he was sh shot by an assassin at the intersection of Elm and Houston Streets uh, just as he was going into the underpass. The word so that is, yeah. that's wild that... Totally unconfirmed. Yeah. It's a rumor. And KRLD, by the way, wow. is where uh, Bill Mercer, the reporter we spoke to yesterday, was working. Uh, that was the Dallas local news station. That's that is wild. That's what because you wouldn't. That would not happen now. I don't think. Hmm. Networks are very careful, especially on the death of a person, and especially you know even more so the president. They would be very careful to say, yeah, he has he's died, but they're throwing it out there. Hey, we're hearing he's dead. We don't know for sure. Yeah. That would not really happen now, I don't think. No, and I would say, yes, there are other parts. There are maybe other topics, other issues where you have the main incident and maybe some of the details are reported prematurely. We have seen this already with the uh, conflict in Israel against uh, Hamas terrorists. We've seen that, but the main incident generally happens and then you need to be careful in the details but with the assassination and then death of a president yeah that's something that the amount of confirmation and certitude you would have to have before you announced that uh, would yeah I, I don't think you could just say we're hearing it. and maybe that's because they had never done they'd never done this before like they, that live in the moment before you can tell when you are watching mm -hmm. people are being handed documents Cronkite's wow. uh, Cronkite sitting at this desk there are there are people all around him uh, he gets handed a piece piece of paper and then somebody else comes up and talks to him and he's listening to them talk it's just a, it's a very fascinating thing if you ever get an opportunity uh, to just spend some time you've got a few hours to kill you can search you know, JFK coverage as it happened. And it's just a really fascinating look to what was going yeah. on that day uh, 60 years ago. It is November 22nd today. Um, so it is the 60th anniversary of that assassination. It's Chris and Amy. Uh, when we come back, we are going to talk to Linda Gradstein covering the uh, hostage release that we expect to be coming over the next several hours and days as a pause in fighting between Israel and Hamas is going to happen here soon. Linda Gradstein from Jerusalem next on KMOX. It's Chris and Amy on KMOX. We've got a lot happening on the show today that we want to hear from you on 314-436-7900. That is the number to uh, to call and to text us. Uh, of course, you can text us whenever you want. You can call whenever you want. You might be on hold for a little bit. Um, also, leave us a voicemail at 314-944-1120. Uh, this is, I guess we're about, I don't know, 18 hours or so ago, we learned of a, not a ceasefire, but a pause in military action by Israel. 
as an agreed-upon number of 50 Israeli hostages are going to be released. To discuss that with us from Jerusalem, Linda Gradstein, a CBS contributor and reporter, Bureau Chief for the Media Line News Agency, uh, joins us on the Quiver River Electric guest line this morning. Linda, we appreciate your time today. How are you? I'm fine. Thanks for asking me. So we understand that it's going to be 50. Is this a exact 50? Do we have a list right now? What more do we know about these hostages? Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Well, what we know is that it's um, women and children. Uh, There are a total of of 50 women and children who Israel says were kidnapped by Hamas. Hamas says it has, it's holding 40 of them, and another 10 are being held by other groups like Islamic Jihad. So the release will be 40 children that Hamas has, uh, the, the mothers of some of those children, and additional 12 women. So all of these will be women and children. It'll be divided up. So as the ceasefire is four days long, each day a quarter of these. Uh, the details we have so far is that they will be given to the Red Cross. The Red Cross will then transfer them uh, to Israeli soldiers who will bring them to Israel. They will be taken to isolated medical facilities where they will reunite with their families have medical checks, and if they're up to it, and if, you know, obviously above a certain age, they will be. At the same time, Israel's also going to free 150 Palestinian uh, minors and women who have been in Israeli jails. None of them uh, have been convicted of murdering Israelis, and there is a possibility that the ceasefire could be ended by an uh, Linda Gradstein is it, Linda. Linda, we're ha- we're having difficulty with a connection here, so we're going to try and reestablish a connection with you. Um, so we'll we'll call you back in in just a second. See if we can. Uh, so Pat, if you wouldn't mind giving Linda a call, I'm going to call her again so that we can uh, reestablish a better connection there. But um, obviously, when things are going on halfway across the world, sometimes the connection isn't very good. So we'll we'll talk to Linda here in, in just a moment. But mm-hmm. uh, again, a ceasefire. Again, don't want to call it a ceasefire. I should it's a pause. change that. Yeah, it yeah. is a pause in fighting because Israel is not going to stop uh, what it's doing. Four days. This mm-hmm. is supposed to go on. Two in the morning central time is when that is supposed to begin. And the Israeli prime minister's office did release a partial list of some of the hostages they expect to be returned. And I think just what... What just strikes me are their ages and that many of these children, we're talking three years old, four years old, six years old, 13 years old, um, no longer have parents. There are some mothers who are being released. Some parents have been killed. The fathers are either killed or still hostage. Uh, But looking at this list of very young children, I, I can't imagine how heartbreaking this is. Linda rejoins us from Jerusalem. We we thank you again for uh, for bearing with us. We just wanted to establish a better connection 
uh, there, Linda. So sure. So we're, we're looking at, at at the fifty you which you have uh, discussed two in the morning our time, so central time here. This is supposed to supposed to begin. So what what happens next? What happens between now and then? Well, uh, you know, I think what happens between now and then is everybody kind of making the final preparations and making sure this goes through. Um, Israel, by the way, says this is just a temporary pause and that when the ceasefire ends, it will go back to fighting. Uh, There is concern in Israel that there will be a lot of pressure not to renew the fighting. uh, But Israeli officials have already said it's just a question of, of when, not if we're going to renew the fighting. So I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, emotions on all sides, the families of the hostages. Uh, there has been no list released uh, as far as I know. So I'm sure the families are incredibly nervous and hopeful and, you know, hoping that their loved ones will be on that list. I know in the forefront of many Israelis' minds has to be the Israeli former IDF soldier Galad Shalit, who was held captive by Hamas for five years and four months. He was eventually released, but only after uh, over 1,000 terrorists were returned uh, back to Hamas. Is that... Tell me how does that... Is that related to the way people are feeling right now regarding this hostage situation? Is it similar? Is it different? Well, first of all, um, one important sort of fact is that one of those released is the current head of Hamas Mm -hmm. in Gaza, Yishan Sinwar. Um, So there are certainly some people saying, you know, uh, Israel releases terrorists and then they come back and, you know, are involved in things. At least in this first release of 150 that Israel is doing, it is women and uh, minors under the age of 19, none of whom have committed murder. And so I think that on one hand, it's in people's minds. On the other hand, uh, you're talking about freedom for women and children. And so I think there is a lot of support in Israel uh, to get these women and children out of Gaza. It's hard to even imagine uh, what they went through. There was a video released a couple of weeks ago of a 12-year-old boy who has a severe peanut allergy. And, you know, before his capture, he was a normal, healthy boy. And in the video, you could see that he had gotten very thin. His eyes were sunken. And, you know, one some people have speculated that because of his allergy, he was afraid to eat anything. Um, so I think it's hard to understand There's a three and a half year old girl who was kidnapped by herself. Um, Her parents were killed by Hamas and her siblings. Now, somebody has been taking care of her. If that caretaker is not being released with her, that's going to be very traumatic for her. There are families that the mother and children will be released and the father will remain behind in captivity. I have a friend whose son, Hirsch uh, Goldberg, in fact, uh, the mom, Rachel, was at the Vatican today meeting with the Pope. Hirsch is 23. He was severely injured in the uh, attack by Hamas. Uh, He will not be released tomorrow. And, you know, she told me that all she thinks about is, did he get the medical care that he needed? Is he alive? Is he not alive? And just living with that uncertainty must be absolutely heartbreaking. It's excruciating. Mm -hmm. It has to be. 
I, I know that psychological warfare. I mean, yeah. that's so much of this from Hamas is is in addition to all of the actual brutality. Linda Gradstein, CBS contributor and reporter, bureau chief for the Media Line News Agency. One of the concerns uh, we mentioned the the potential release of uh, terrorists back into the wild so that they can you know do it again. That is one of the concerns. One of the other concerns is that during this period where there's no military action, Hamas can sort of regroup and reset. How realistic is that, that they can, I don't know, get their act together over the next couple of days while this exchange is happening? So that's very much a question. Look, the truth is, is that while the fighting has been intense in some places, and I think it's uh, 68 Israeli soldiers have died in the fighting. The Hamas uh, resistance in northern Gaza, which is where most of the fighting has been, has been less intense than Israel had expected. Uh, They expected, you know, large-scale attacks on Israeli soldiers, uh, you know, Hamas coming out of tunnels and and attacking the forces, and uh, there's certainly been fighting. So one thing is the fuel. In order to continue to maintain their their tunnels and their life underground, which is where Israel believes most of the thousands of Hamas uh, fighters still are, uh, they need a lot of fuel. And that was why Israel at the beginning said it would not let any fuel into Gaza. And now, along with the humanitarian aid, large amounts of fuel will be coming in. But Israel is also going to inspect everything. So the idea that Hamas will be able to smuggle in rockets and other, you know, sophisticated weapon systems does not seem very likely. They will be able to get fuel, however. Yeah, and that is all of those tunnels underground that Israel has known about and the world at large has known about these terror tunnels. Is the extent of those tunnels still being discovered and documented by the IDF, even as we speak? Yes. Um, and, And the truth is, is that, you know, Israel believes Israel has attacked hundreds of the tunnel shafts and they have some new weapons, the special foam that they can like put in to seal the tunnels. Um, but they still haven't gotten to hundreds of tunnels in southern Gaza. So um, I, I spoke earlier to a former head of national Sec- of the National Security Council. He said that he believes that it would take another week or so for Israel to completely establish control over northern Gaza. And then we'll have to start its offense in southern Gaza. And that, of course, is going to be very complicated because almost all of Gaza's 2.3 million people are now concentrated in southern Gaza after Israel told them to flee northern Gaza and opened a humanitarian corridor. So, And Gaza is a very small, very poor area. Uh, It's going to be very hard uh, to avoid civilian casualties. Well, and and speaking of or continuing the conversation about the tunnels and just how complex that operation must be, I, I correct me if I'm wrong. I, I saw a, a New York Times graph that was it depicted the tunnels, and some of these tunnels are as deep, if not deeper, than 65 feet deep, which is uh, very far underground. And that also we think some of the hostages might be in those tunnels. Yes, and that's what makes sort of. Uh, you know, the whole issue of uh, airstrikes even more complicated. Now, Hamas says that at least 60 of the hostages were killed 
by Israeli airstrikes. Israel says that that's psychological warfare. In fact, uh, just a, this week, uh, the Israeli army spokesman said there was one case of a 19-year-old female Israeli soldier named Noah Marciano, and Hamas said that she was being, that she was killed by an airstrike, and Israel said that while she was injured in an airstrike, she was being held near the Shifa hospital. It has conclusive proof that she was actually killed in the hospital by Hamas. Um, so, there, you know, there's a lot of psychological warfare on, on both sides of this. But, um, you know, it definitely, I think, and the families of the hostages are concerned that if Israel, you know, if the bombing intensifies, uh, then Hamas could also kill the hostages as, a, as part of this psychological warfare. You are coming to us from uh, Jerusalem, Linda, and from some of the polling that we have seen, the people of Israel aren't necessarily happy with the job that Benjamin Netanyahu has been doing and, and is doing. From your perspective, it, does that sound about right? Are, are, are people there unhappy with him? Yes, they're unhappy with him on, on several levels. I mean, first of all, the, um, the fact that hundreds, thousands of Hamas gunmen could breach the border between Israel and Gaza could go into these communities along the Gaza border, take over more than 20 of these communities. And according to uh, at least some of the things that I've seen, they intended to go all the way into even deeper into Israel. I mean, it's a huge intelligence failure. There were uh, girl soldiers who were called Tatsbitaniyot, observers who used technology, and they reported to their superiors that Hamas was planning something, and their their warnings were completely ignored. So that's one thing. Secondly, Netanyahu has barely met with the hostages' families, uh, has really not been willing to to uh, you know give them information. And thirdly, there's been a huge, you know, there's been an evacuation of 200,000 Israelis who live in communities near the Gaza border, near the Lebanon border, and they were taken to uh, guest houses and to hotels and things like that. And there's been a massive outpouring of Israeli volunteerism and setting up programs and schools and nursery schools for the kids. The government hasn't done any of that. That's all been by, you know, local Israelis, many of whom even before this started were protesting Netanyahu's plans for a judicial overhaul that would have weakened the power of the Supreme Court. So, I mean, I find it hard to see how he will be able to survive this. At the same time, there is what some people are saying is that you don't switch governments in the middle of a war. Linda Gradstein, we really do appreciate you taking time to talk with us today and all of the great information. Uh, We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Linda Gradstein, CBS contributor and reporter, joining us from Jerusalem. Uh, It is the Chris and Amy Show. When we come back, did you see this on KMOX? Did you see that thing? I can't believe it. Something is obviously wrong. This is a joke, right? Oh, my God. Are you freaking kidding me? No way. you got to be kidding me. Don't feel bad. There's no way you could have known that. Now, did you see this with Chris and Amy on the show? Hey, Ron, did you see this? <laughs> listen. What? This go guy ahead, ahead, thinks I don't listen to him. He, she, you weren't listening. Well, but anyway, all, I love I was you. doing important work. Remember, um, I don't know if you remember this story. It was from a while ago. 
I don't know if our listeners will remember, but um, do you remember Sam Altman? Oh, yeah. He was that guy yeah. that did OpenAI. He right. founded OpenAI. Right. And then remember, he was fired suddenly. It was yeah. a long time ago, probably oh, Friday. Yesterday. Yeah, Friday. And then remember, hours later, he was hi- hired by Microsoft. That's right. Groundbreaking. We talked to yeah. CBS tech expert Ian Share about it. Because here's a St. Louisan at the forefront of the development of AI, which could take over the world. He's a St. Louisan, a Burroughs grad. He gets fired. The board says, we don't trust you. You're moving too fast with this potentially dangerous technology. He's out the door. It was an ouster that surprised everyone. Microsoft picks him up. That's awesome. Guess what? What? He's back at OpenAI. Oh, he is? He's the CEO of OpenAI again. So as I understand it, and correct me if I'm wrong... Instead of replacing him, they just replaced the board. That's exactly right. <laughs> they just fired the board and they brought him back. I know. That's well, apparently when apparently he was very popular with all of his employees, oh, and I'm so sure. when he was ousted, they had uh, I think there were about 700 employees in OpenAI who threatened to walk out if he were fired. He was fired, and now he's been rehired. Right. He is the CEO. What again. did you tell Microsoft? Hey guys, uh, sorry. I don't know. Uh, Microsoft is maybe. is I'm out of here. Microsoft is an investor in OpenAI, so I they're guess the largest backer they, of OpenAI. They've invested here, over thirteen billion dollars. This is this is where my issue lies with people like Altman and anybody in the tech industry. Mm-hmm. And, and I know it's not all of them. It's not everybody, but for the most part, mm-hmm. my problem with them is. They are very much the living embodiment of the Jurassic Park meme. Yeah. Where it's your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. I feel like most of those folks just want to see what they can do and what they can create and how far they can take it instead of stopping and saying, well, wait a minute, is this a good idea? Is it a good idea to advance artificial intelligence as far as we can make it, as far as we can get it, to see if it can uh, do things on its own and we're no longer in control yeah. of it? Is that good? This is mean and personal. And I, I don't want to be mean or personal, but it is. When I see these tech guys like Sam Altman and Mark Zuckerberg, I feel like their eyes are dead. Like they're dead inside. Yeah. They're soulless. They see humanity as an experiment. Yes. And yes. they don't care. It's yes. a weird vibe. I know people say, Amy, that's you don't even know these guys. I know. But it's weird. Also, people forget that Microsoft was the tip of the spear for AI and the first sentient artificial intelligence. You know what that was? Clippy. Remember? You would ask him questions. That's right. He would pop up on your Microsoft Word. You guys surprised that I don't know what that is? Well, come on, dude. This guy. But I mean, what if Clip It, Clippy, I thought his name was Clippy. Apparently it's Clip It. But I mean, that was really the first foray into sentient artificial intelligence. Amy, did you see that companies like Kellogg have won a lawsuit against egg companies because the egg companies were colluding to fix prices over the period of about a decade going back to 2009? Is this what the Egg Council has been doing? This this entire time it has to be. This is the Egg Council? The one that I thought was, you know, important? Yes. Yes, that's what they're doing. So they were price gouging. They were colluding on prices, driving prices up. So you can't tell me that when we were losing our minds over the price of eggs like six months Mm -hmm. ago that they weren't doing the same thing. Unbelievable. Can't tell me.
These egg people. What? I want to talk to the egg council. Ethan, these, get get some. Get these get an egg, egg heads on the phone. I'm on it, gang. Egg councilmen, get them. It's Chris and Amy on KMOX. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 